listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on into episode number 209. The road to WrestleMania has already taken a couple of twists and turns. In the week since the Royal Rumble, NXT had a hot show with Vengeance Day, Rocky Pro Wrestling had a packed house for Cupid's Carnage, and the lovely intoxicated men's Tony Gabagool joins us to recap the event. And big news coming out of Northland Pro as Cody James surprisingly announced his retirement. And we welcome back the youngest guest in the history of Windy City Slam, and now she's all grown up. Going from wrestling supervan to in-ring performer, Izzy Morlino. We'll talk about her match with Miss Kate coming up at Mission Pro Wrestling this weekend. You'll get all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. It's your boy, FTC Frank the Clown here. And you are listening or doing something with your ears to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Frank the Clown's been a guest a couple of times. Will I be a guest again? Oh, I don't know. Get the check ready, Mike. <laughs> Attention! Windy City Slam is looking for a few good tag team partners to advertise on Windy City Slam Podcast and WindyCitySlam.com. Get your product or service notice with pro wrestling fans. Affordable rates that fit your budget. Message us on Facebook, X, or Instagram, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Back here on Windy City Slam Podcast, and I had a couple of occasions late last week to go out and see some wrestling friends of mine. I caught up with Steve Boz for just a couple of minutes at his trading facility over in River Grove. I was out there for another errand, and I decided I'm close to CSW's trading center. So I went ahead and said hi to Steve Boz. It was great to see the BOZ as he was helping out a client at his personal trading facility there. And also, I got to see a bunch of Rocket Pro Wrestling folks after I had another errand to run that evening that precluded me from covering the Rocket Pro Wrestling show. But it was great to see the family over at Rocket Pro Wrestling. And we're going to get into that in just a few minutes. All right, WWE's Road to WrestleMania took some crazy twists and turns in just a few days after that great Royal Rumble show. Has Cody Rhodes really been replaced by The Rock? as the opponent for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Many, many questions. Still looking for answers. And let's not jump to conclusions. A lot of backlash since that segment last Friday night on SmackDown. And the fans have started the hashtag WeWantCody movement. And I don't think we're done. I think Cody Rhodes gets added back into this thing. And it's a triple threat match. And Cody does finish his story. And he gets the extra rub of being not only with Roman but with The Rock as well. I think it's going to turn out great for everybody. Let's just let things marinate just a little bit and see how it turns out. At least that's my uh, theory on it. 
And then, CM Punk is probably out for about six months or so with a torn tricep suffered in the Royal Rumble match. So his potential match with Seth Rollins will not happen at WrestleMania now. And will Seth Rollins defend the World Heavyweight Championship against Cody? Against somebody else? Against Gunther, perhaps? Uh, who knows? Or is Seth even going to be ready because of his knee issue? I know he's going to try. I know he's going to rehab. They haven't poo-pooed it quite just yet, but as they say, we'll see. And Bailey will face EO Sky after Damage Control turned on Bailey on SmackDown. And wow, that was uh, that was crazy. And I guess Damage Control's trio of Japanese superstars, Asuka, EO Sky, and Kairi Sane, were talking in Japanese behind Bailey's back, but Bailey understood what they were saying. So, uh-oh. That's when the Kabuki Warriors and EO Sky had no choice but to attack Bailey, and now it's going to be Bailey and EO Sky at WrestleMania. NXT Vengeance Day was this past Sunday night, February the 4th, in Clarksville, Tennessee. This was a really hot crowd in a little bit of a smaller venue, so this was a lot of fun, and they made the show so much better on, than on paper. I mean, it was a good show, but I think the crowd really added a little bit more to that element. And in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals, Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker, the Wolf Dogs, defeat Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams when Breaker pins Hayes. In a no-disqualification match, Dijak pins Joe Gacy. I always love Dijak. I think that guy's going to be pretty big. Watch out for him in the NXT title picture at some point. And then we had a six-person mixed tag team match to the Angelo family of Tony D'Angelo, Channing Stax Lorenzo, and Adriana Rizzo defeats OTM, Out the Mud, Lucian Price, Bronco Nima, and Jada Parker with scripts when D'Angelo pins Price following a fisherman buster. Triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship. And this wasn't a triple threat match at the start. We'll get into that in just a second. Lyra Valkyria retains the title by defeating Roxanne Perez and Lola Vice when Valkyria pins Vice after it appeared that Perez was going to win the title after hitting Pop Rocks on Vice. But Valkyria's stalker friend Tatum Paxley interfered and took out Roxanne. And with the triple threat match rules, there's no DQ, so... No DQ there. And Vice ended up cashing in about two-thirds of the way through this match with her breakout tournament contract to make it a triple threat. NXT North American Championship. Men's breakout tournament winner Obafemi retains the title by pinning Dragon Lee following a powerbomb. And man, Dragon Lee took a beating in that match. Woo. And for your main event, the NXT Championship. Ilya Dragunov retains the title by pinning Trick Williams, who had Carmelo Hayes in his corner. And that will be the final time that Carmelo Hayes will be in his corner, because in just a second, I'll explain why. Dragunov beat Williams to the punch, hitting him with Torpedo Moscow, as Williams appeared to be going for his running knee and got the three count. Afterward, Mello turned on Williams, taking out his left knee, and then used a steel chair to hit him in the leg about a dozen times. So, Trick Mello game is no more. And this past Saturday night, February the 3rd, Rocky Pro Wrestling presented Cupid's Carnage at St. Joseph's Park in Joliet. And to talk about Cupid's Carnage, we welcome back special correspondent to Windy City Slam, the lovely intoxicated men's Tony. Gabagool, Tony, how you doing? 
What do you hear? What do you say, Mike? Love was in the air, okay? Beer was in my stomach. Watch out for Cupid. He's got that arrow, okay? And just before Cupid got there, I actually dropped by St. Joe's Park a couple of hours before the show. I had some personal stuff going on that night, but I wanted to say hi to the crew over at RPW. So Bill Shelley, Shelley, Steve Arendt, Koa Loxamana, Missy and Timmy Sweeters, Steve Michaels, Aaron Stone, and a few other folks I got to see before the show. It was so good to kind of reconnect with the Rocket Pro Wrestling Galaxy. And then I had unfortunately had to leave. But I will be back at Rocket Pro. And I'm shooting for kicks on 66 in May to cover the show for Windy City Slam. But Tony, let's bring you on to talk a little Cupid's Carnage and how that show went down. Sir, we're going to jump right in. Match number one. It's basically the Fabulous Idols versus LIM. And why I say that was because we had Kevin Cade. Damian Gray, represented by uh, Joey Roth, Roxy Hart. Okay, those are the fabulous idols. They went up against some good friends of mine and my father. So rock star Johnny Nye, Flash Harris, Dad, thanks for coming back into our life. And they were managed by our leader of the LIM, Mr. PX. Now, Mike, I don't know if you heard, Mr. PX just accepted a big job offer with Rocket Pro Wrestling. Not only did he manage this match, he is now the backstage interviewer. Nice. Big news, big news. So this match was important for Johnny Nye and Flash Harris. This is retribution. Get back at those idols. And they sure did. But during the match, Mike, I got to say that Joey Roth, he grabbed PX by the collar brings him over by the commentary table. And guess what? Steve Arendt comes around to the other side of the table, beats that crap out of Joey Roth and threw him backstage. It was quite the sight to see. So my papa, Flash Harris, he picks up the win via a pinfall. Couldn't be happier for him. That's just a great role model. Thanks for coming home, Dad. <laughs> now, following yeah. that match, we, uh, we had a segment. The suburban German sensation, JVJ, Joseph Von Jaeger, he came out. And this is one of those Valentine Day breakups, okay? This is a little bit of drama came from last month between JVJ and his longtime friend, Jesus Desafio. Now, JVJ challenged him to a match, and JVJ was w- even willing to put the Intercounty Championship on the line. But Desafio, he refused to fight him. And as he turned away, you got to be careful, JVJ. Don't ever let somebody turn their back on you. He attacks JVJ, lays him out. So let's stay tuned. Maybe in the coming months, we're going to see these two uh, go from friends to even worse enemies. After that segment, we had a tag team match. And this was with Shaq Jordan and Maximus Orion. They were teaming up. I like to call them Shaximus. Okay? Shaximus. Shaximus. Took on the Kings of the Six, Devin August and Skylar Reed. Now, Mike, I told you last month, the Kings of the Six, they lost to a lone Gunner Brave. So I'm thinking, these guys can't get on the same page. There's no way that they're going to be able to take out Shaximus. Well, they finally did get on the same page. They were able to pick up the win over Shaq Jordan and Maximus Orion. Match number three, we had Koalaxamana versus Steve Michaels. He's the master of the Chicago Bear Hug. If you recall, this match was a two out of three falls match. The winner of this match will take on Aaron Stone next month at the uh, Shamrock Showdown on March 2nd. So in this bout, we saw Michaels pick up the first pinfall within a minute. It was so fast. The guy is on a path of demolition. 
do not get in his way. But Koa Laksamana, we know a lot about him. Wrestles in the NWA. He's over at AAW. He's all over the state. He's, you know, the guy in this past year, he's had so many matches. He was able to pick up his pinfall within two minutes. So it was back and forth. These two had a counter for each, you know, each and every move that they threw each other's way. Now, what, what came to be at the end of this match, Devin August comes out and he slams Kalis, who's Koa's manager, slams her down onto the mat. Now, you remember me telling you last month, Eric Schultz hit her as well. Mm-hmm. Damien said, you need to do something about this. These guys cannot keep beating up on this woman. Mike, it gets even worse. All right. Steve Michaels puts Kalis. He puts her into the bear hug and she's pleading for her life. Right. And, and Koa is being held down by some undeniable bastards. All right. They basically made Koa forfeit that last fall in order for Steve to break the hold on Kalis. So Steve picks up the win and Mike, let me tell you something. I haven't seen a hit this dirty or a job this dirty since the St. Valentine's day massacre. These guys are criminals. All right. After that, we had a uh, video package from Connor Hopkins and Damian DeShane, the, those damn coyotes. And what they were hinting at is that they might be able to save Brooks Berno. We'll see what happens. There's a TDC civil war going on. It looks like they're trying to get more numbers on their side. In match four, we had the Ryan Matthews. I should call him the hairless cat. I heard that's what uh, Maximus Orion likes to call him. And uh, he came out to the ring with Jay Beck, the bounce check, and he was taking on an LIM member in this match. That is the beer-drinking champion, Sean Danger. Yep. Well, I got something interesting for you. Maximus Orion was made the special guest referee for this match. Oh, jeez. Extremely entertaining match, Mike. I'm going to tell you, Maximus, he does not play around. He ejected Jay Beck the bounce check right away, said get to the back, no more interference. And then Maximus Orion was actually inducted into the LIM mid-match. It was unheard of. Now, Maximus, he's a great referee. He he uh, he counts the, the, the falls for Matthews very fast. And for Sean Danger, he counts extremely... uh, Sorry, I'm I'm flipping it. I flipped it. He counted slow for Matthews, fast for Danger, which ultimately helped Danger pick up the win. After the match, Maximus, he hits Matthews with a spear and a beautiful choke slam. And I just want to say, welcome to the LIM, my friend. (laughs) It's match five. We had the final level. They are the reigning, defending RPW Tag Team Champions. And they went up against heroes of our time. Now, Mike, when these guys came out, the heroes of our time, I was not expecting them to come out to Bonnie Tyler. But I think that's what they do. They try to make their opponents think, oh, we're, we're a jokey team. We're coming out to, you know, I need a hero. So they come out. Mike, they were doing incredible things. At one point, uh, they hit a suplex and there was a tag mid suplex, a German suplex with a tag for the, uh, the other partner to come in the final level. They looked great. They were reunited after uh, two months of being apart. They were able to retain their championship, but it was great to see some new fresh talent come in with the heroes of our time. So great match fellas. Interject real yes, quick sir. before we get to yes, the main please. event. Yeah, four great veterans, guys I've all known pretty well over the years. All four have been guests on our podcast here at Windy City Slam. 
the champions, obviously, Shogun Logan and Marche Rocket, terrific talent. And not a lot of people may or may not know about Heroes of Our Time, but it's a team that I've covered at various promotions over the past couple of years. And they're just terrific guys as well. And yeah, I would expect that match to be terrific. Now on to the main event, sir. Mike, you'll have to catch it when it comes out on YouTube. I know you'll you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it greatly. Match of the night, in my opinion. The main event, sir, it was for the RPW Championship. The dream breaker, Aaron Stone, he's the reigning defending champion, took on public enemy number one, Eric Dillinger. And like we talked about last month, Eric Dillinger, he's a wild card. He's a violent SOB. Uh, my prediction for this match was that he would not be able to go the entire match without bringing some kind of weapon into the ring. And I was right. It was virtually a stalemate until Dillinger brought in the RPW championship and hit Stone over the head with it. Now, good on the referee, referee Christian. He actually noticed that the belt was laid out in the ring while Dillinger was pinning Stone, and he stopped the count. So good on him. Usually these refs are they are just blind. They can't see anything. Uh, Stone makes a comeback. He retains via pinfall. And Mike, guess what happens next? Gunner Braves music hits. Yes, he comes running out with that rocket to the top briefcase, slides into the ring. But before the bell could be rung, those undeniable bastards come out and they just start attacking everyone. So I checked with co-GM Turtle, the amazing Turtle, and he did confirm that the cash-in was only an attempt. It was not official. So Gunner still has his rocket to the top briefcase. But now we know his intentions, Mike. He's going after Stone. Absolutely. Sooner or later, mark my words, we're going to see Gunner Brave as the RPW champion. Mike, next month, we're going to have uh, the team of Koa Laksamana, Shaq Jordan, and Gunner Brave <laughs> taking on the Kings of the Six with Eric Schultz. We will also have Aaron Stone defending his RPW championship against Steve Michaels. Uh, this all is going down at Shamrock Showdown, March 2nd, St. Joe's Park. Here we go. Yeah, that should be a terrific show, just with those two matches alone. But what else will we get? We'll have to see over the next few weeks. Yes, sir. So we got green beer, corned beef, choke slams, you name it. Sure, Captain Dave's Gallagher will be serving up some great stuff as well for the St. Patrick's Day holiday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Tony Gabagool, thank you so much for once again giving us the lowdown on Rocket Pro Wrestling. Thank you, sir. Take it easy. Hey, this is Trevor Outlaw, but you bozos can address me as you are as rudely, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast, and you can check it out every Tuesday. Oh, wait, I've been on this like five times. I should know this by now. Either way, not getting paid enough for this. Windy City Slam podcast, check it out on Tuesdays, and you never know when Trevor Outlaw is going to be back. And moving on to Saturday night, February the 3rd, we love wrestling. And this is a report courtesy of High Five Tom of the Midwestern Wrestling Roundup and Tommy Trainwreck of We Love Wrestling. So Tommy Trainwreck and the We Love crew put on Volume 3, Love Hurts, back at the Northwoods Recreational Sports Conference Center in beautiful Pembine, Wisconsin. And the show opened up with the soon-to-be-famous We Love Wrestling Scramble, Featuring North Star Kid, Jack Sirius, and the big steppa, Armando Alvarez. These three went move for move. Well, that is until the big man, Samson, was announced as the fourth entrant. 
and the three other guys did the best they could against a much larger Samson, but in the end, Samson hits a huge choke slam on Alvarez and gets the pin. Next up, we had Tommy Trainwreck facing the Apex Athlete CJ Cole in a good old-fashioned face-versus-face matchup. In the end, CJ Cole hits a nasty top rope DDT to defeat the current ICW Milwaukee Alternative Champ and UPW Top Champion in Tommy Trainwreck. Then in a battle of two teams that could not be any different, 1-800-SEXY, that's Bobby V, Marvelous Ethan Matthews, and Peter Schwanz, took on the high-flying team of the human highlight Isaiah Moore and Twist and Flip in a six-man battle for the ages. In the end, Moore is able to fight through the distraction from the heels of 1-800-SEXY to get the pin on Bobby V. Next, a little history occurred as Sierra took on Shelly the Bombshell Benson in the first women's match in the history of WLW, and it certainly did not disappoint. Shelly battled as best as she could, but with Joey Avalon on the outside doing everything he could to distract Shelly, Sierra was able to finish her off with the Midwest's best backpack stunner. Now, is that a commentary on Dan the Dad's backpack stunner? Hmm. High five Tom going on a limb there. Then in our co-main event, the young powerhouse Onyx Andretti with Devin Stryker took on Wiley veteran Melvin Hayes. Hayes did the best he could to try to outsmart the powerhouse Andretti, but in the end, Stryker nailed Hayes with the briefcase and Andretti got the pin. In the main event, Ice Pig Vic Capri defeats Joey Jet Avalon and advances for the opportunity to be the first ever champion in WLW history. And what a classic these two men put on in a match that ended up all over the building and even into the bleachers. Even after interference from Sierra, Capri was able to score the pinfall victory and will advance to face Josh Crane next month. And now we move on to Saturday night, February the 3rd. Northland Pro Wrestling presented No Love Lost up in Woodstock. And the results are courtesy of friend of the show, Sean Lennon of PWE Report. Eddie Grayson won the number one contender Journey Championship Battle Royal. And in tag team action, King Trill and Doom Montgomery defeated the duo of Joey Mayberry and Hans. Adam Stallion versus Iniestra ended in a double disqualification. And in the parental custody ladder match, Draco defeats FXB. For the Journey Championship in a two out of three falls match, Lee Metallic defeats Jax Johnson to win the title. And then for the All Hugh Wrestling Championship, Metalhead defeats Lizardman now to retain the title. Northland Tag Team Championship, the drinking class of Jay Cross and Jack Carpenter, defeated the duo of Chucky Bates and Gunner Wicks. For the Northland Pro Championship, Lily La Pescadita retains over Lulu La Reina. Northland Pro Championship in what we thought was the main event of the evening, Attorney Eric Schultz retains the title over Rafael Quintero via a disqualification. Afterward, Cody James comes out and he was granted an all-heel wrestling championship match as the trademark used his change of fortune title to cash in for Cody. And for the AHW Heavyweight Championship, Cody James defeats Metalhead to win the championship and immediately after the match, and this, I couldn't believe this news when I heard it, Cody James announces his retirement and relinquishes the championship. And 
for me, this was out of nowhere, and I'm not sure how long it's been percolating in the head of Cody James, but I would like to congratulate Cody on a great but brief career in Chicago at Independent Wrestling. He did some great things. He wrestled for the NWA as part of Magic Inc., and they were even kind of on the border of a tag team championship opportunity. I didn't really pry when I chatted with Cody briefly on Monday, but I'm not sure exactly what was going on. I'm not sure. I'm hoping the retirement was on his terms and he has a great life after pro wrestling. It was a pleasure to know Cody. He became a pretty good friend of mine. We've had him on the podcast a couple of times. We also had an impromptu appearance by him after WrestleMania a couple years ago to give a first-person perspective on everything WrestleMania that year. Cody was a great guy, great family man, and had some great support from his wife, Carrie. And behind every great man is even a better woman. And again, congratulations to Cody James on a great wrestling career. I will personally miss him a lot. Before we move on to what's going on this week, I also want to congratulate the former freelance legacy champion, the bounty hunter, Brian Keith, who officially signed with AEW, and now Brian Keith is all elite. Coming up this weekend, Friday night, February the 9th, Freelance Wrestling presents from Freelance with Love at Logan Square Auditorium in Chicago. If you cannot get a ticket, the show will be live on IWTV and the Freelance World Championship, Storm Grayson, defends against Leo Rush. Freelance Legacy Championship, the return of Darren Corbin, defending against Davey Bang, and Corbin's first freelance appearance since his appearance on Fox's game show, The Floor. And for the Freelance Tag Team Championship, GPA and Laney defend against the CSW Tag Team Champions, Joey Jet, Avalon, and Sierra. And this is the match I'm probably looking forward to the most on this show. Can't wait to see it. And then we have the leather strap ass whooping match as Dan the Dad takes on the Midwest bully Craig Mitchell. Triple threat match sees Coder Hernandez versus Shaza McKenzie versus Alfonso Gonzalez. One-on-one match sees Trevor Outlaw versus everybody's friend Chico Suave. And in the scramble match, we have August Matthews versus ATM versus Sean Galway versus Shaq Jordan versus AJZ versus Alfredo Meliz. And then Saturday night, February the 10th, Dreamwave Wrestling presents Run This Town at the Knights of Columbus in LaSalle. And you can't get a ticket for the show because it's been sold out for weeks, but you can catch it on IWTV. And Dreamwave Championship, we have the King of the Valley, Old Evil, Christian Rose, defending against the walking weapon, Josh Alexander. And check this match out. This is going to probably steal the show in many, many ways. The Dreamwave Alternative Championship match, El Hijo del Vikingo defends against Chicago's own Mustafa Ali, Penta El Zero and Chicago's favorite luchador, Gringo Loco. And that's gonna be Loco. And I can't wait to see that one. That's gonna be intense and insane. For the Dreamwave Women's Championship, Brittany Brooks defends against Maggie Lee. For the Dreamwave Interim Tag Team Championship, Wasted Youth of Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers defend against Bang and Matthews. That's going to be another crazy match. And then we have, it just keeps going and going. We have Alex Shelley versus Stephen Wolf. 
Vic Capri with Shelly Benson goes against All Steel Jay Fowler with Zeke Shishi. And then the six-man tag team match, we have Mike Bennett in the hype of Hunter Holdcraft and 12-Gauge taking on the threesome of those damn coyotes, Connor Hopkins, Damian Deshane, and Brooks Berna. And two more women's matches round out the show. We have Zeta Steele facing Rebecca J. Scott and J-Rod taking on Sawyer Wreck. Saturday, February the 10th, ARW presents High Energy at the American Legion Post in Lake Station, Indiana. And High Energy just gives me Owen Hart and Coco Beware vibes. I I was a huge mark for that team, a huge mark for both of those guys individually. I just love the fact that they have a show named High Energy. Really, really cool. And the show features ARW champion Nick Diamond facing an opponent to be determined. And then we have sharpshooter James Creed taking on Eric Schultz. The Indiana State Championship, it's Wade Evans of the Workhorses defending against Danger Mask and Jake O'Neill in a triple threat match. And in a Texas Tornado I Quit match, Youth Gone Wild faces the Freebirds. And in a one-on-one affair, the flawless one, Dave Allen, takes on Joshua Moon. Plus, it's Workhorses Appreciation Night. And then Saturday night, February the 10th, Midwest Championship Wrestling is at Lee's Place in Sandwich, Illinois. And in the one-and-offs match that I got so far, it's the Black Sheep FXB taking on Rafael Quintero. Plus, you're going to see MCW champion Koa Laksamana, the Landshark Conan Lycan, Gunner Brave, Nasty Nick Nolan, AMB, and more. And then Sunday, February the 11th, Gali Lucha Libre is at Copacabana Banquets in East Dundee. The show features Psycho Clown, Gladiolus Champion Sobrino Azteca, Discovery Champion Big John Crowley, Gali Tag Team Champions Mason Conrad and Joey Marks, plus you're going to see El Terreno, Septico, AMB, Caribbean Arrogance, and more. All right, coming up in mere moments, we welcome back Izzy Moreno. Stay tuned. My name is Storm Grayson. I'm your freelance wrestling world champion, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Broad Stop in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. And you can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast this week. I am so excited to welcome back a previous guest. In fact, we welcome back the youngest guest in the history of this podcast. And now she's grown up, going from wrestling supervan to in-ring performer. Ladies and gentlemen, Izzy Moreno. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, thanks for coming back. And 
We met back in October of 2019 when Val Capone and I were in Orlando to take an NXT at Full Sail University. And since we last spoke on this program, which was in December of 2020, I lost a tag team partner and you gained a last name. So can you tell me the story of where Moreno comes from? Yeah, so Moreno is actually my great-grandmother's maiden name. And so when I was thinking about you know, what I would want as my last name. I didn't want to change my first name at all because a lot of people just, they just know me as Izzy. And I was like, okay, I don't want to change that. I want to add on to that. So when I was kind of going around with names, um, you know, I was like throwing around a bunch with my parents. And so my mom, she's really good at this type of stuff. Maybe because she works in HR, maybe that's why. But she was like, what about Marina? And I said, yeah, I really like that. Like, where'd you kind of like, what's the inspo for that? She's like, well, it's actually your great grandmother's name or great grandmother, great grandmother's maiden name. And she kind of just explained kind of like who my great grandmother is, you know, kind of like the, the family history. Like it, 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 like that name alone, like it spiraled into like the best thing ever. So, yeah, like Moreno is my great grandmother's maiden name. And it means a lot to represent my family like that. And a lot of people don't know, but I am Colombian. So just to represent that side of me is really important. And I actually I did a video right around the time of my debut explaining the last thing and where it comes from and kind of the roots of it and the history and i showed it to my grandmother this past christmas and it was so awesome to see her reaction because she was super emotional because i added pictures of my great grandmother in it and she was just so happy that i was representing the family and it's really awesome to represent the family as a pro wrestler because the woman of the moreno name they've always been strong women they've always done incredible things so to be kind of like the fighter, the pro wrestler in the group. It's cool. <laughs> About eight years or so ago, probably when you're around seven or eight years old, you were diagnosed with scoliosis. And for those who don't know, scoliosis is a sideways curve of the spine. It can affect people mm-hmm. in different ways. So was there some sort of obvious telltale signs at its onset? Yeah. So early on, there were a lot of kind of signs that I had scoliosis. So my mom actually had it. And so when I was born, she, you know, my parents were always like, okay, we got to get her checked out because it's kind of, you know, it's past, it's a type of condition that's passed down. So when I was of age and I went to the doctor, you know, they checked my spine and they were like, yeah, go to Shriners Hospital. And so I went and that's when they told me I had scoliosis. But yeah, there were a lot of signs when I was young because when I first had it, it was really bad because basically like your spine is literally like, curved so like you can clearly see it so like whenever like they would ask me to like like kind of expose my back like you would see the edge so it was it was weird but I think that I always like I think it's such a cool part of my story and it's it's a great little addition to it to everything else that I've had to overcome and scoliosis is one of those things so I am really great as as challenging as it was and like I look back on those like times I had to wear a back brace and you know, all the times I would get anxiety going to the doctor because, you know, if if my curvature got really bad, like I would have to have surgery. That means no Izzy Moreno, no wrestling. So I think uh, looking back at all this time, I'm grateful that I did have scoliosis because like it's a really awesome part of my story. And, and maybe there's other people out there who be a pro wrestler and happen to have scoliosis, too. I hope they get to kind of look at me and say, oh, there's somebody like me. <laughs> that, that's pretty amazing that you had to do that. And the trials and tribulations you went through at a very young age, I guess it kind of got you ready for this bigger stage. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think, you know, like I said, I am grateful that it happened. 
because it has made me stronger. And I look at, I look back at that and I'm like, man, I overcame a really difficult condition. Because scoliosis was when I would hit a really big growth spurt, my curves, like it would get worse, even though I was doing everything to maintain the, a low curve. So, you know, there was just so many factors of it. And then also, you know, chasing my dreams, like being inside the ring, among other factors of that. So yeah, it definitely has made me tougher. And just, you know, whenever there's times where I'm like really sore or, you know, I'm just mentally struggling, I kind of like to think back at that time and I'm like, listen, it's not as bad as how you were back then and the pain that you were in or, you know, the mentality you're in. So yeah, that's scoliosis. I'm very thankful for it. Now, you had your mind made up pretty early that you wanted to be a professional wrestler. Was that around the time when you and your family were frequenting Full Sail and attending NXT on a weekly basis? Yeah, so I, yeah, it was. That was around eight when I decided I wanted to be a wrestler in NXT. And you know, my parents would go and, you know, we'd always have such a good time. So yeah, that was around the, it was around this time that I wanted to become a wrestler. Yeah, we were going to Full Sail. So what was your first exposure to wrestling? What were your earliest memories? Honestly... It was really my parents introducing it to me and then also attending FCW shows, which for those who don't know, FCW was basically NXT before NXT. So yeah, we would attend FCW shows and they were super close to my house. So we would go all the time. And I just like, honestly, I remember like, so we would actually, we'd happen to sit in like some of the family sections. So me and Roman Reigns would play together and we'd always have a blast together. Um, until, you know, Roman Reigns would come out and wrestle, like, you know, her mom and her, they would watch, and then I'd watch him too, and then, like, after the match was done, me and her, we'd go back to playing. But yeah, going to FCW, and then really just watching at home, and then eventually, you know, NXT became NXT, and we started to go, so those are really, like, my earliest memories of wrestling. That's pretty cool. That's when Roman Reigns was known as Liaki rather than Roman Reigns, right? Yeah, no, I, like, it's funny, because, like, I, like, I remember that you saw so many like stars before they like they're they're basically their current name. So, you know, like I saw like Roman Reigns with Seth Rollins before, before he was anything like it's honestly really crazy to think like I used to go to these like little armories and watch these people who are now on like national TV and like like the best in the world. <laughs> Pretty amazing stuff. Uh, we talked about the whole Bailey fandom and your role in her feud with Sasha Banks many years ago in our last interview which you could check out in the Windy City Slam archives. So what do you think about Bailey now, being the leader of Damage Control and winning the Royal Rumble this year? You know, obviously, when you turn to you know, I'm a little bit younger, I was a little heartbroken. But I think, honestly, watching Bailey and seeing everything that she's done and achieved, it's been amazing. I think because I know it's very hard. I'm not trying to speak upon experience, but I'm sure it was kind of difficult going from being this bright, bubbly character, baby face to being this like really mean heel. I, I definitely give her credit for that. I think she's done an amazing job with that transition. And also being the leader of damage, damage control and kind of, from what I see mentoring EO Sky and Dakota Kai, I think that's been really awesome. And then her winning the Rumble, obviously, I think it's been long overdue. But yeah, it's, it's been really awesome. throughout the years. I'm really proud of her. But yeah, she's done, she's incredible. It's really awesome to watch her every week. And honestly, I kind of, I watch wrestling differently as a fan. I watch it to study it. So just kind of studying her moveset and her demeanor, even though, you know, our characters now are very different. You know, I think it's really good to kind of study a lot of people. And she's one of them, one of those people who I study. Your parents, uh, Cody and Jetty, seem to be really supportive of you from a very early age. I think that's really, really cool. 
Oh, yes. My parents have been extremely supportive and I'm really grateful for them. They've sacrificed so much to make the stream basically happen. And honestly, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I'd be where I am. And it's always, you know, I think a misconception a lot is, you know, oh, my parents were the ones pushing me or they forced me to. And that that was not, um, because it was always kind of like, hey, mom and dad, like, I want to be a wrestler. And they're like, okay, well, we have, you have our full support and you're going to work really hard at this and we're going to make it happen. It was kind of that kind of deal. So they've always been so supportive of me. So, you know, we're moving to Texas soon. and that for me, which is very exciting. Uh, We actually just got approved for our apartment today. So we're excited for that. And so, you know, we're, the move is going to be a little different. Like things like life is going to look definitely different because we're, we want to keep our house and we want to have an apartment too. So we're all going to be away from each other, but not moving to Texas. Texas for me is like, means a lot to me. So they've done a lot for me. And I think also we've shared so many memories and experiences in pro wrestling, you know, like pro wrestling has always been a part of my life. And all of my memories with my parents always have something to do with pro wrestling. So it's always great to share such special moments with my parents. You know, even when I started to wrestle and I was kind of like, I couldn't hang out with them at the shows because I was backstage getting ready for my matches. We still share like the best memories. So you started training at 14 years old at Hybrid School of Wrestling in San Antonio with Chris Marvel and Shofunaki. So how did you end up there? Yeah, so um, a very good friend of mine, Tessa Blanchard, she messaged me in 2021, and she knew I was kind of like planning out my debut when I wanted to have it. And I knew, you know, even though it was kind of two years after the first time I went to hybrid, I wanted to start getting the ball rolling. So she messaged me, and she was like, hey, I train at the Hybrid School of Wrestling. You should come down for a week, and we train all together, and it'd be fun. We'd all hang out after. Like, it's going to be a good time. And I said, yeah, sure. So I went, and I really loved Hybrid. Like, I, when I first went in there, I just fell in love with it immediately. Because I think for me, I've been to many schools here in Florida. And honestly, like, none of them. There's a reason why I travel miles and miles and miles away from home. To, to basically train for pro wrestling. So honestly, hybrid has been amazing. I think Funaki and Coach Marvel have really opened my eyes to what good coaching is. So it's kind of something I always, I really didn't know at all. Something very foreign to me. And a shout out to my jiu-jitsu coaches because they've also been great coaches here in Florida. But going back to hybrid, it's just been amazing. And, you know, I've learned so much and they truly want me to succeed. And I think that, you know, once I moved to Texas permanently for about a year, I think they're really going to put me, I will not think, I know that they're going to put me in that I want to be for when I'm 18, which I'm very excited about. So yeah, I love hybrid. I've been going there since based on training. I there and it's so awesome. And I just love San Antonio. So yeah, hybrid's been amazing. I'm just so grateful for Chris Marvel and Sho Funaki. They're the absolute best. They're the best coaches I could ask for. Oh, you have an MMA background. You mentioned Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So what pulled you towards that? Yeah. So the way I kind of got into MMA is is a fun story. So I actually, I had my first match when I was about 10 and I got a lot of criticism for that. And I had a lot of people tell me, oh, you don't belong in pro wrestling. You shouldn't be in this industry. Like just get out of it. And I just remember just like, man, I now I'm having people who I look up to, who I trade with, tell me that I don't belong here. So I actually kind of left pro wrestling for a little bit. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own little box with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA. And that's what I did. So I boxing gym. And once I realized I, was, I really liked it, it just 
it went it went up the hill from there. Um, I started to attend jujitsu classes and I realized that I was really good. You know what? I'm going to compete in this and I'm going to try to get a lot of belts and get a lot of medals. And I have. And honestly, the beautiful part about it all is that jujitsu has helped me a lot inside the ring. I do a lot of arm bars inside the ring. Actually, my finishing move is the Izzy bar. So that has definitely come from jujitsu. And the arm bar, my finishing arm bar is one of my favorite, like my favorite submission to do on the mat. So it's really fun to be able to transition the two and kind of translate them both. Um, but yeah, has done just so much for me because I belonged in. Because, you know, when I felt like I didn't belong in pro wrestling, it was kind of like, you know what, here's the next test thing. Um, even though it kind of sounds sad. But here's the next best thing where you're going to get stronger and you're going to, and down the road, this is really going to benefit you. Because I remember like, yeah, this is cool and all. Like, I love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but like, I'd rather be doing pro wrestling. But I, I should have known that it was going to help me years down the line. I'm so grateful for Jiu-Jitsu and also for the memories I've made in it. Whether it's tournaments, celebrate the best way possible, and then also meeting my coaches too. It's I love it. And you just recently started wrestling for Mission Pro Wrestling this past summer, and that's a company run by Thunder Rosa and her husband, Brian, down in San Antonio. And your debut came against Jasmine Allure last summer mm -hmm. for Mission Pro. So what was that experience like for you getting in the ring for the first time? I, I just watched the match not that long ago. Really a lot of emotions going through your system at that point. Yeah, my debut was, it was something special. <laughs> um, not to toot my own horn here. It was honestly, it was definitely one of the greatest nights of my life. That, it's like up there with that and me going to the Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> but yeah, my debut, it, it was so hard to put that night into words because, you know, like I said, I wanted to do this. I decided I wanted to become a pro wrestler when I was eight years old. And, you know, I was, I'm 16 now. And I was 16 when I had my debut in August. And it was just eight years in the making and that all like just building up. In, into that night it was just, and it was honestly just like so crazy and full circle it like it was really awesome like describe it it was just so special and just inspiring and everything that I could have asked for and more and there's so many like you know my match was just was like that was the that was the main part of my night was my match but also there were so many like little pockets of special memories throughout the night and I just I'll never forget that night putting on my gear for the first time, my mom doing my makeup, like that was like, like a lot of people talk about, oh, my mom did my makeup for my wedding. No, like that was really special to me. I'm trying to think what else. My parents seeing me in my gear for the first time when I came out, obviously. And then also just seeing all the little girls and boys, like and with bracelets, it was so awesome. Like, and, and honestly, there's like so many other memories from that night, but like those are kind of like my the ones I'm thinking about right now. It's a really special night, and it was just so much fun. Legit, my debut was perfect. Everything that I could have asked for. It was absolutely special. In your first few matches at Mission Pro, you've made a connection to some of the young fans, which you just mentioned, who are in the same shoes as you were like six to eight years ago. And it's just so cool because you never know in another eight to ten years those fans might be where you're at. <laughs> yeah. Like, Bailey was your role model before. You could be those girls' role model. Oh, yeah. It's really awesome to think about that. I think about that a lot. You know, the part where I am somebody's inspiration, they could feeling in my shoes one day. It's a really awesome feeling. Man, I've worked so hard for this. And I, and despite, you know, all the obstacles all and everything I've had to overcome, whether it was scoliosis, 
people tell me that I don't belong in this industry and everything else, like that's what I worked for. And that's why, you know, I, I look at all that and I'm like, this is why I do it. And this is why I stay in this ring. This is why I absolutely love doing it. You know, it means so much for me because, you know, whenever there were times of me where I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Like I think about those moments and I'm so happy. I never did quit at this because I would have never gotten to those little girls and boys and experience what I've experienced with them and just legitimately connecting with the fans. Something that's so important to me, and this is something I really want to talk about, is connecting with the fans. You know, you can do, you know, it's awesome what people can do inside the ring. Like, I admire the people who can do all the flips and all, like, stuff. Like, I admire them. It's awesome. As a fan, I think about but for me, it was always about connecting with the fans and feeling something because I've always wanted to feel something and just feel such a connection with somebody. And that's how I feel with the fans. Like no, I don't know, no boyfriend or best friend can like replace that feeling. It's just how I feel with the fans. It's just, it's so amazing. And I'll just, every, I always say this, but my entrance is always my favorite part of the night because of connecting with the fans. And just feeling their energy and feeling their love and support. Oh man, I get like so emotional talking about the fans, and I get so excited talking about them. They're my BFFs, and I'm just so lucky to have them. So yes, it is awesome thinking about how I am, and it's such an honor. And it's crazy to think of myself in that way, but it's like, man, I've worked for this, and yes, I am an inspiration. It's such a good feeling. So I really love it. Like, I just I love little fans coming up to me. With their bracelets. I remember my debut match night. One little girl. She had a custom Izzy shirt. And I'll never forget. When I was like her age. I was making custom Bailey shirts for myself. And I was like. Oh, this is really full circle. So yeah. The fans mean everything to me. They they are my inspiration honestly. Like I. This is. They're just so amazing. And I'm so lucky to have my BFSA here. Coming up this Saturday. February the 10th. You, Izzy Moreno, will be facing Chicago sweetheart, Mr. Kate, a former NWA Women's Tag Team Champion, a Mission Pro Wrestling Sleepless in San Antonio, and Salvation Army Mission Corps in San Antonio, Texas. Missa held that title with Betty Renkowski, now known as Ren Sinclair in NXT. As, as of this interview, Missa Kate is the current second wrestling champion. It's a company that's based in Chicago's northern suburbs. So what do you know about Missa? You know, I know a lot. I really do because I, you know, I always watch Nissa and I always, you know, watch her stuff, her stuff from afar and I always admire her. But one thing that I know for sure is that she is a bully, like big time bully, um, BTB, big time bully, because she, you know, it all started from, you know, it all started at the infamous ECW arena. And I just want to take a picture on the ECW wall like anybody else would. And she basically bullied out or bullied me out of that that area and told me that I'm a loser that I don't belong and also she was just on on a mission for Mission Pro Wrestling and she said that I'm playing wrestler she said to give me five minutes with her inside the ring but I don't really think that's true because I have not won at Mission Pro Wrestling I've let my BFFs down and that really was me so this Saturday at Mission Pro Wrestling Sleepless and Fans getting my first win and it's going to be against Mr. Kate I'm tired of me and thinking that I'm playing wrestler and that this is just a phase and that I'm just a spark and I'm just a flash in the pan. Well, that's not the case because I'm Izzy Moreno and I'm the friendship bracelet wearing kid and I'm going to go in there and be my biggest fan. So 
yes, I do know a lot. She's a great talent. She does great things inside the ring. However, I know that she's a bully, and she's not going to bully me or my BFFs anymore. So this Saturday, it's going down. And you can catch Mission Pro Wrestling Sleepless in San Antonio on Saturday, February the 10th at Salvation Army Mission Corps in San Antonio, Texas. And if you can't be there in person, check it out on Title Match Network. That's $9.99 per month, and it gets you access to Mission Pro Wrestling and many other promotions around the country. So I'm looking forward to seeing you and Miss Kate square off. Somewhat close to Miss Kate covering the scene in the Chicagoland area. She's done a lot of great things here. But yeah, she can be that bully once in a while, too. Yes, she can. But I appreciate you promoting Mission Pro Wrestling because Mission Pro is really an awesome company. I just want to shout out Mission Pro real quick um, and just thank, thank them for everything they've done for me. Um, I am looking to get my first one, and that's going to happen this Saturday, like I mentioned. So I am excited. I absolutely adore Mission Pro Wrestling. All women's, all women's promotion, really important to me. So thank you for getting the first one. And you also have some experience as a member of the pro wrestling media with the hot tag with Izzy, with interviews, and also covering AEW shows. So what was that experience like for you? Experience was fun. Um, I Honestly, the hot tag, I look back at that, and, I, and that the hot tag allowed me to experience a lot. And honestly, it was a huge growing time for me. I think when I had, I was kind of growing and learning a lot. You know, honestly, the reason why I did it was so I can get good on mic, on doing promos, and doing interviews. So I'm really grateful for the hot tag because it it's taught me a lot. It's allowed me to fail and then kind of find out, find a solution to things. And I've had so much. I I really did have a lot with it. Um, you know, just doing interviews, meeting people who I would be like my lifelong friends. Yeah, the hot tag. It, it was a really good time. You started training at a young age, but nowadays you're seeing many women get into it much earlier now. Billy Starks, for instance, a former second wrestling champion, now with AEW and ROH. She started when she was 13 or 14 years old. Cora Jade made her professional debut while she was a senior in high school in the Chicagoland area as Elena Black. And those two have proven that you can make some moves at an early age. So you have designs. You're 16 years old. Do you feel like getting into a place like an NXT or an AEW at 18 years old is a realistic goal for you at this point? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny because I think the universe has been sending me a lot of signs that it's like be in the right place when I'm 18 and I'm on the right track. That's all I can say. But yeah, it's I'm really excited for when I'm 18. Um, and I'm not, I don't really like saying, well, I'm going to this place and this is my definite decision. You know, I know a lot of people have a good idea of where I'm going to end up. I know a lot of people want me to go to other places. And I think that's kind of the fun part for me is kind of like, oh, wow, like a future and I get to choose. Like That's like the really cool, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for this year. You know, I'm going to be turning 17 this May and then we're officially one year away and the clock starts ticking. And I think like, I think when I turn 17, when the clock strikes midnight on May 1st, I think I'm going to vomit because it's like, wow, I'm so close to being 18. We were only a year away and a year. And I feel like I'm going to be almost on the one year anniversary of my pro wrestling debut. And that's going to be like, holy crap. But yeah, it's going to be just so awesome and special. And we're just, we're so close to it, BFF. Like, I just want to throw that out there. BFF, we are so close and it's going to happen. Trust me. I'm just, I, like I said, I'm excited. And I think it's just, it's so much fun to think about this kind of stuff because I've been dreaming about this for 
eight long years. And the fact that it's almost here and I've worked so hard to get to this position where I'm like, man, I want to, I want to find somewhere when I'm 18. Like that's something that I'm so proud of. And I'm like, man, I've worked hard to get to this position. And to say that we're excited. It's going to be awesome. I'm not trying to, you know, toot my own horn or get too far, but I'm absolutely excited. And it's going to be a blast. When I turn 18, 2025, that's going to be one heck of a year. I don't even want to think of what's going to happen in 2025 because I get like chills and I get super emotional. And you mentioned earlier, you have a move coming up going to Texas in a short bit and you've got plans for when you graduate high school. So do those plans involve just moving down there and, and training more intensely for hybrid or is there something else to that component? No, I'm graduating high school early, um, so I'm school, but I know a lot of people are like, how? Because you're 17, your birthday's in May. Um, yeah, so I'm graduating high school early, I graduate in May, which I'm very excited about. Um, and that's probably going to be around the time I moved to Texas. And I'm going to be staying there for about a year. And honestly, that is just to get me ready for whatever holds in 2025. I'm really excited to be training at hybrid for a year because I always would go there for like a week or two or like a couple months for my day you leading up to my debut I was there for the whole summer was like the best so I'm really excited to be there for an entire year it's gonna be so much fun just to trade with everybody permanently and just to learn as much as I can because before it was kind of like oh I'd learn a little bit and then you know I had to stop and then I learned more and now I get to learn pretty much like 24-7 and it's awesome um it's so much fun so yeah I'm excited and really just this whole move is to prepare me for 2025 18-year-old Izzy all right, Easy Moreno, thank you very much for coming on. And before we let you go, could you go ahead and promote your social media, any merchandise, and upcoming events? Yes, of course. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. This was an absolute blast. And BFFs, you guys can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Across the board, it is It's Izzy Mania, I-T-S-I-V-Y-M-A-N-I-A. Like I said, we were talking about Mission Pro Wrestling Sleepless in San Antonio, which is happening February 10th. You can get tickets at Mission Pro Wrestling if you are in the San Antonio area. And then also, if you're in the area, which is okay, you can watch it on Title Match Network. So right now, I don't have any other events announced so far, but there are some plans. You know, WrestleMania is just around the corner. I always do a lot of shows in San Antonio. So be on the lookout for that as well on my social media and in merchandise, you can, I have two websites for my merch, ProWrestlingTees.com and then Homage.com, which is the shirt I'm currently wearing. You can get this exclusive Izzy shirt and then my other Izzy shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. Izzy, thank you very much for coming on. And we will be watching your career very closely over these next few years. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was just such a blast. I'm so glad we did this, doing this in 2020 and then doing it 2024. This is awesome. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Great conversation with Izzy Marlano. She is going to have one hell of an experience this weekend as she takes on Missa Kate over for Mission Pro Wrestling Sleepless in San Antonio. I'm personally very excited for that match. I'm a big fan of both. I'm definitely an Izzy Marlano BFF. I'm also a big fan of Chicago sweetheart, Missa Kate. All right, next week we're going to recap Freelance and preview CSW's Hearts on Fire. Plus, we welcome for the first time, very excited for this guest, SNS Women's Champion for SSW, 
Wisconsin native Brooke Tanner, and we'll talk all about SSW's Horsepower 2 on March the 8th. You can catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody.